Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. I love those songs. I especially like that song, Get Up, Get Up. Get Up Out of That Grave. Don't you like that? A mother in our church put her little daughter in time out and made her sit down for a season. After a few minutes, she got restless and the little girl started singing, Can I get up, get up, get up out of this chair? Can I get up, get up, get up out of this chair? So, yeah. Smart girl. Well, praise the Lord. How do you feel this morning? Because I want to talk to you about how to feel better. How to feel better. Now, words are important, so please understand I'm talking about how to feel better, not how to feel good. There's a difference, isn't there? Yeah. You see, if you want to feel good... All the time. And that's what my title is about, how to feel better all the time. If you want to feel good all the time, you'll have to wait a while. It's called heaven. And uh, it's going to be glorious. But for now, we still live in a world where trials are many. Hearts are broken. Evil happens. Sickness, cancer, disease, and accidents have to be dealt with. And none of those things feel good. And the Bible says we shall through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of heaven. That just doesn't feel good. But I can tell you, the Bible tells us how to feel better while we're going through all of this stuff. And we do go through some stuff, don't we? Now, every now and then I'll hear somebody, even in Christian circles, who will say feelings are not important. That it's faith that's important. And I, and I agree, faith is so very important. But to say feelings are not important just doesn't make sense to me. Confidence is a feeling, isn't it? Discouragement is a feeling. Shame, guilt, hate, courage, hope, joy, love. All those are feelings, aren't they? Now, you could argue that those emotions are far more than feelings, and I would agree with you 100%, but I'm telling you, we feel each and every one of them very deeply, and they have a profound effect on our lives. So I want to talk to you about how to feel better all the time. And I want to underscore that all the time. Uh, The world spends billions of dollars on how to feel good, but it doesn't last. I mean, I mean, a hot glazed donut and a cup of coffee makes me feel better. <laughs> but it just doesn't last. In fact, most of the time it leaves me with a real guilt feeling. And so, I, I swear, I think uh, those donut shops have something that affects the vehicle when you drive by and the hot sign is on. You know, it just, 
makes you pull in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. All kind of things will make you feel better temporarily. Uh, a compliment from a, cus- uh, a trusted friend, a hug and a kiss from somebody you love, a good book, a pain pill can make you feel better for a moment. This morning I want to talk to you about how to feel better all the time. I'm talking about getting to a place in your Christian life where you know who you are, where you know who God is, you know what he's done in your heart, and he brings you to a place where you can live in a better place. Regardless of what you're going through, I love that old song, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. See, that's, that's what I'm talking about. So, let's, let's read our text. 1 John 3, I'll read verses 18 through 23. 1 John 3, 18 through 23. John says, my little children. Now, that's his favorite way of identifying Christians. Some 20 times John calls Christians children or little children. In fact, in one place he says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. He says, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, the word feeling or feelings is not in that text, but really it's all about feelings. It's about love. It's about assurance. It's about condemnation. It's about confidence. It's about our hearts. Uh, The whole passage of scripture is about how we feel and how we relate to God. Now, there's much in this passage that is worthy of our attention, but I don't have time for all of it. I want to just point out two things to you. First of all, the statement in the text that says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. And then the second one is, if your heart does not condemn you, then you have confidence with God, toward God. So let's get started. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. What I'm about to share with you, if you're a child of God, will make you feel better. Guaranteed 100%. If you believe God's word. Now, if you don't believe God's word, it'll have little effect upon you. But if you really believe God's word, this will make you feel better. I don't care if you walked in today feeling like a failure. This is going to make you feel better. So, here's what it says. Passage says that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. And the fact is, sometimes our hearts do condemn us, don't they? Uh, Some passages of scriptures will say, if your heart pronounces you guilty or if your heart judges you, just remember, God's greater than your heart. And what God wants us to know as his children is, 
when our hearts condemn us, pass judgment on us, say we're guilty, he wants us to understand that he's greater than our hearts and that he knows all things. If I were to walk into the bank, I'm making this story up. I don't want you to, I don't want you to think I'm talking bad about my bank. But if I were to walk into the bank and walk up to the teller and I were to say, I would like to cash this check. And the teller looks at the check and says, I'm sorry, you have a zero balance. You have no money in your account. Well, first of all, I would just about lose my breath because I know how much money I have in the bank. And I would, I, I would, and then I, my mind would start playing tricks on me, and I would think, well, I, I wonder if I'm the victim of identity theft. Maybe I've been conned. Maybe somebody has taken money from me. And and worry and doubt and fear would kind of overwhelm me. But then, what if I were to turn and go straight to the president's office? His door is open. I step in. And I say, hey, listen, we got a problem. And he looks at me and he says, no, we don't have a problem. Everything's fine. We've got a little bit of a computer glitch going on with our system. And you're in good shape. Here, he pulls up my account on his computer and he says, here, your funds are all here. Now, what I have a choice at that moment. I can either choose the lesser one with less knowledge about what's going on, which would be the teller. Or I can believe that the greater one who's in charge, who knows more about everything that's going on there. So who will I believe? I I just simply have a choice. I'd believe the greater one. Now I'd walk out of that bank and probably say, man, that scared me. But all is well. Now, my next story is not a if this happened. It really did happen to me. And it may have happened to you at some point in your life. But it's been a long time ago. But I went to my doctor's office. And the nurse checked me in, checked my vitals, went over my uh, uh, blood test, uh, went over the report with me. And then said something to me, probably didn't even know what she she was saying at that point, and thank God for our entire medical profession. I, I thank God for all of them. But what she said to me just made my blood pressure go up, which is not good because my blood pressure is already up when I go to the doctor. I definitely have the white coat syndrome. And my blood pressure went up and my heart, I could feel my heart. Think, oh, goodness, something is seriously wrong. Something is wrong. And uh, she said, the doctor will be in in a few minutes. And a few minutes later, the doc. let me wait. An hour later, <laughs> the doctor walks in. As if everything's fine. And I said, wait, 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 wait just a minute. The nurse said, and the doctor said to me, that's nothing. Don't worry about that. We see that all the time. You won't have any problem with that. It's nothing. My blood pressure started coming down. 
Now, I had a choice at that moment. I could believe the lesser one. Are you with me? That had less knowledge, less training, less experience. Or I could believe the greater one who had the training, the experience, the years of service, the doctor. He's the greater one. My choice was obvious. I believe the greater one. I calmed down. It really is. I'm not just saying it. It it is that simple. You, You see, friends, you can either believe your heart, which is the lesser one, or you can believe God, who's the greater one and who knows all things. If you walk into a courtroom and the lawyer says you are guilty and you're going to jail and the judge says case dismissed, you're going home. Tell me, wouldn't you believe the one in the higher office with the greater authority? Wouldn't you believe that one? Well, then I have a question for you today. Why is it that we will believe our hearts over what God's word says? Why will you let your own feelings, your own heart, have more of an influence upon your day than Almighty God who knows more than you know? It's a good question, isn't it? And I would think that all of us are guilty at times of doing just that. So what does God say? Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ? Do you know Jesus? Have you been born again? Then there is no what? So when your heart condemns you, what? God is greater than your heart. Pretty simple, isn't it? Just so you know, I'm not pulling an isolated text. John 3, 18 says, He who believes in him is not... Are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you love your Lord? Listen, we got to cut this condemnation stuff out. Are you going to believe your heart, the lesser one, or will you believe God, the greater one? Romans 8, 33 and 34 says, Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. This is rhetorical. Who is he who condemns? Listen, God doesn't even give you the right to condemn yourself. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. See, see, this is why it's so very important for us to know, thus saith the Lord. What does God's word say? When your heart condemns you, he's greater than your heart. One of my favorite passages is found in John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes. Do you believe? Are you a believer? Are you a true believer in Christ? He who believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into what? Judgment. Which one is having more influence on your life? How you feel your heart? Are the word of the living God who's greater than you and knows all things. I think I heard an oh me out there somewhere. By the way, when it says shall, shall not come into judgment, I looked it up. That Greek word means condemnation or damnation. 
And why will they not come into judgment? Because they've passed from death into life. That's why. You see, when sin, when Satan, when the world, when the law, and when your own heart tries to condemn you, there's one greater. And he says you're not condemned. And this is very important. So I I know I'm not done with the message yet, but is anybody feeling any better right about now? Doesn't that make you feel better? Yeah, have you blown it? Yes. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Have you made mistakes? Yes. But you are not condemned. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you and washed you. He took your judgment. He took your condemnation. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. See, friends, it's time to let God, who knows more, control your life more than your own thoughts, your own, your own heart. Oftentimes, Jesus would tell earthly stories to drive home a heavenly truth. I hope to do the same right now, and I'll probably get in trouble with some parents today because I share this illustration, but I feel like the Holy Spirit put it on my heart to share it. I was 16 years old. I had my driver's license, and I had my own car. Man, I was something. I was something. Now, the car wasn't much to look at, as my wife will tell you. It it was pretty ugly, but it had a big V8 engine in it. (laughs) And it had that rumbling sound. Oh, love that car. And one day I heard that some of the young people in town were drag racing on one of the back streets. I couldn't wait to get there. Man, I was so excited. I got there and I watched two or three of the races. And I was intrigued. And then the guy said, come on, your turn. And I will never forget, I, I lined up. And the thing about it was, is when I lined up and I looked over in the car I was racing, there was a girl driving that car. (laughs) Now the stakes are higher. (laughs) And I just have to tell you, I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew my father would not approve of it. I wasn't ignorant. I knew this had an element of danger to it. But that old saying is true, young and dumb go together. (laughs) And you can rarely separate the two. But I I overrule my better judgment because I knew I wouldn't get caught. I knew everything would be fine. I was absolutely sure of that. The sign was given. We took off. And it didn't take me but just a moment to realize that something was different about this particular drag race. Because there was not just two cars in this drag race, there was three. And one of them had a blue bubble on... (laughs) 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 
I'm not making this up. This is true. This is a true story. And you know immediately what I got started thinking, why am I the one who always gets caught? How is this happening to me? How will I get out of this one? So I pull over quickly. We never finished. I pull over quickly. I jump out. My heart is up in my throat. I'd never been caught, period. This is the first time I've been over on the side of the road with a law enforcement officer. And I jump out, and I'm trying to think, how am I going to talk my way out of this? How will I get out of this? What will I say? And, and, and I'm all upset. Have you ever been in one of those situations, and I know you have, where you thought things can't get any worse? And then all of a sudden they do? Before I can say a word, things got worse. I mean, much worse. I mean, from my perspective, about as bad as it can get. Because I saw the door of the officer's car, the passenger door open, and I saw somebody getting out of the door and it was my father. <laughs> How is it possible for me to be in this much trouble? I won't tell you everything that happened that day. <laughs> but... <laughs> But the last thing my dad did was he held his hand out and he said, give me the keys to the car. And I thought, he's not even going to let me drive home. And he, I put the keys in his hand and he said, okay, now take off, you're walking home. That was embarrassing. And I start walking home, and I have to tell you, my mind went crazy. I mean, I started thinking, I'll never be able to drive again. He'll take my car away from me. There's a chance he might actually kill me. <laughs> but you're witnesses today that that didn't happen. But that was the longest walk I've ever had, and my, whole, my mind was just going crazy, and the accusations and, and condemnation, then it was just all over me. And I'm thinking, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Have you ever noticed sometimes when we make a mistake, we blow everything out of proportion? We actually make it worse than it really is. But when I got home, I was shocked. Because I found out that my father's love for me was greater than all that crazy stuff that was going on in my head and my heart. Now, my dad was not a perfect man. He was flawed just like the rest of us. But he was a father. He was the greater one. 
He was the one who had greater knowledge and greater understanding. He understood what growing up was all about. He understood what making mistakes was all about. He understood what learning lessons was all about. And my father, while he corrected me, loved me. And it didn't interrupt our relationship at all. It was just a few days later he threw the car keys to me. This is all he said, don't do that again. I tell you the truth, I never did it again. I honored my father. He was an earthly father, flawed, made mistakes, but he was an earthly father. How much more our heavenly father? I want to tell you, if you are born again, blood-washed, child of the living God, if you've been birthed into the kingdom of God, your father loves you. He loves you. And condemnation is off the table. Correction? Yes. Chastisement? Sometimes. Sometimes he'll take the keys away from you. He'll make you sit in the chair in the corner. I mean, God deals with us. I get that. But listen, no condemnation. It feels good just to say it. Would you say it with me? No condemnation. I am not condemned. My father loves me. Oh, friends, it's the truth. We're talking about feelings that can stay with you for the rest of your life. Now, I know the argument. There are some people who will tell you very quickly that this kind of preaching gives Christians a free pass to sin. No, it doesn't. No. Not if you're redeemed. Not if you've been born again. Not if you want to feel better. Not if you understand what God did to your heart when he saved you and how he works in your heart. And, and that brings us to the second point. So, so if your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. But the second point is this, and, and that is if your heart does not condemn you, then you have confidence with God. So here, I want to share something with you about your heart. First, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, that is a description of an unredeemed heart. That's a description of a heart that has never had an encounter with the Lord God in salvation. That's, That's what that is. Even the prophets of old prophesied about a time when that would not be true. Here it is. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. That was a prophecy of what would happen when the Messiah comes and redeems us and saves us and comes to live within us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16 picks up on this. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. After what days? He's talking about the days when Christ would pay the supreme price. When salvation would be extended to all who would believe. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts 
and in their minds I will write them. Are you a child of God? Have you been born again? Have you truly been saved? Then I want to tell you, you do not have a desperately wicked heart. You have a gloriously saved heart. You have a heart that's been changed. Jesus didn't come into your desperately wicked heart. He came in and made it holy. He did something in your heart, and it is amazing. And not only that, did you get that part? And he writes stuff down in your heart. I, I found out that God can write in small print. Listen to this. Each human cell has around six feet of DNA. Let's say each human has around 10 trillion cells. This is actually a lowball estimate. This would mean that each person has around 60 trillion feet or around 10 billion miles of DNA inside of them. You have 10 billion miles of God's encoding in your physical body. That's your physical body. How much more can God do in your spiritual being? God has written His law inside of your heart. Wow. I mean, really, if He can do that in the physical, how much more can He do in the spiritual? Now listen to this, Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is at work in you. And I want to tell you, I believe some of you will see the light today and you'll begin to understand why, how God is working in you. And if you miss this, you're, you're doomed to a life of struggle if you don't understand how God works in you. But this passage says he's working in you to do his good will, to do his good pleasure. I wrote this down under what I felt to be the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I want you to listen. Now, we're putting these two together. If your heart condemns you, then you need to know that God's greater than your heart. But also, if your heart does not condemn you, then you have confidence with God. Now, let me tell you, would you agree with me that anything that gives you confidence with God is important? Wouldn't you agree with that? So isn't it vitally important that your heart not condemn you? So now, now this is going to sound a little bit like double talk, but I want you to listen to me. If you are trying to live for the Lord, I want to read this because I don't want to mess it up. If you're trying to live for the Lord and your heart condemns you, you need to know that God is greater than your heart and you are not condemned. If your heart tries to condemn you, God's greater than your heart. You're not condemned. But you also need to know that your heart is trying to tell you something very important. This is your gloriously saved, encoded new heart holding up the standard of God and saying to you, Stop. This isn't right. That's out of order. That has no place in your life. What you did was wrong. What you're doing is wrong. These are the kinds of things your heart will tell you. The heart will tell you, you need to get your actions in alignment with what God has done in your heart. Rather than be in conflict. Now you can ignore that. You can ignore your heart. And I hear people say all the time, I, I just don't ever hear from God. You're a Christian, you do. You just haven't figured it out. 
He's working in you, in your heart, in your spirit, in your conscience. He's working in you. And it's time to start listening to your heart. If you ignore that, you'll spend the rest of your life in conflict. And you will never feel better. Or you can come to a place. You can believe what God's word says. And believe that you're never condemned. You are not condemned. And you can come to a place. You can make a commitment in your life. That you'll come to a place where your heart does not condemn you. And the only way you can get to that place is when you realize that God's working in your heart and through your heart. And you start listening to that internal voice of the Holy Spirit through your own heart. And rather than your heart condemn you, if you make up your mind to start listening, there'll come a day your heart will say, yeah, that's right. That's the way a Christian should act. That's how you respond when somebody's attacking you. And your heart begins to confirm you. Yes, this is right. This is good. This is glorious. I want to tell you, I believe that this is a principle. Two things. Believe no matter what happens that you're not condemned. And and your heart really is not trying to condemn you if it's a redeemed heart. It's trying to correct you. It's trying to get you on the right path. Your heart and your God are working together to bring you to a place of assurance. A place where you feel better. And reassured all the time. And if you read the whole text and where your prayers start getting answered. What's your heart saying to you? I want to tell you, if you got saved, God lives in your heart. And we're talking about getting to a place where you feel better all the time. I like it. Repeat after me. I am not condemned. I love my Lord. I know he lives in my heart. I know he's working in me to bring me to a place where I'm doing his will and he's finding pleasure in me. When you get there, you're going to have a little hallelujah dance. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that even when our own hearts try to condemn us, or it feels that way. Thank you that we know we are not condemned. And Lord, help us today to understand how you work and how you speak. And Lord, when your spirit through our own hearts says stop talking give us enough sense to stop talking when it says wait give us enough sense to wait when it says now now's the time help us to go and do what you lead us to do Father I pray that the light of your love truth law, 
standards in our hearts will begin to guide us. And Lord, that we'll be pleasing to you. I'll tell you, one of the music is playing and your heads are bowed. If you feel like you need to come to the altar and just say, hey, I'm walking out of condemnation today because I believe the greater one. Just get up and come and find your place here at the altar. If you're ready to say, you know what? I want to get to a place where there's no conflict between my, my heartfelt convictions and my actions. And I know I can't get there on my own, so I'm going to be trusting God to help me. The altar is open for you. If you need to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'll be here at the front to pray with you. Other pastors will be here. Father, bless that this day will be a benchmark day in our lives where we believe your word and press toward a place where we have confidence with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.